guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Support for Dubai Works is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched in the UAE with their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their exclusive offer for you. 20% off of the code DubaiWorks at manscaped.com. Okay, the funny thing about fintech is that it's super complex. There's many, many different layers. This week, we have one particular layer, which is about finding out where all your investments sit. I think it's a great idea. I think it's really interesting. Um, and the guys explain how Xerio works. They also talk a lot about crypto. It's really interesting when I ask them, they both have very different opinions, even though they trust each other a lot. One uh, doesn't believe in crypto at all, thinks it's a, a, a fad, thinks it's a joke, and the other, uh, David, really believes in, in crypto and Bitcoin. So we have a really interesting chat, good around the region as well, they have good knowledge on finance and fintech, uh, two really nice guys, and wishing them well, enjoy the interview. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. We're joined again this week by two co-founders, from Xerio, on my left, we have David Martinez Delithia, I think, <laughs> and Piero Paleteo. Yes, very good. Uh, founders of Xerio. They are, uh, so the, it's a one-of-a-kind one wealth tracking app. It's developed at the height of the pandemic, and it enables individuals to track and understand their investments and plan a life of financial freedom. So we're talking all things fintech. We're talking about the market, the competition, and our plans for the future. So welcome both. Thank you very much. So uh, David, I'll start with you. How, what is Exerio and how did it come about? Pierre, David, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Exerio, as you said, is a wealth tracking and, and investment app. Um, it came about after, after many years of hearing all my expat friends, all those who have more money than I do, uh, complaining about how come that in the 21st century I'm still um, tracking all this in a spreadsheet every month I have to go and update all my bank balance and my crypto and my stocks and my real estate how come I need to do all this manually um, there must be a better solution and I always thought that it would happen uh, and it didn't happen so after many years of hearing those complaints uh, just chatting with a friend uh, we thought well if it doesn't happen uh, maybe, let's make it happen let's make it happen okay and that's what it is we started with a prototype I soon uh, involved Piero, because we've been uh, colleagues in, in the finance and investment world for a number of years since since we met in business school, and here we are now with a product that works. Okay, and Piero, so tell us exactly what is the product uh, and what, how would someone use it today? Well, essentially it's a solution for somebody that wants to um, aggregate all their investments, whatever they may be, um, from stocks, funds, crypto, real estate, um, watches, rare wine, whatever you know, whatever it may be, to put it all in one place to consolidate the view of what one owns, how it's performing um, as as a whole and individually mm. across currencies. That's actually one of the key features we focused on right from the start. Uh, it doesn't have to 
put everything in one single currency and let you choose that. Uh, it can break down the performance of any particular asset you own um, in, in you know between the performance of the asset itself as well as how the currency implications of uh, having invested in a particular currency mm. impact your wealth. Uh, so you go on the website, you you can you know get a pretty good idea of what you know of what it does um, right from the start. You sign up or try a demo, and off you go. Interesting. What does Xerio stand for? What does it mean? It stands for <laughs> an available domain with three syllables uh, and a dot com. Brilliant. That was it. Amazing. <laughs> three syllables, not two syllables. You went for three. I couldn't, I couldn't find a two-syllable dot com available. Okay. We wanted it to be dot com, uh, and that was it. It's a cool name. It, it, it I works. still have got the screenshot of the WhatsApp chat between the two of us. Like, what do you like this name? Well, yeah, I like it. Oh, not available. Okay, yeah, I don't like it. Isn't and, it amazing that, you know, I love how you tell that story as well on the name, but isn't that how we come up? That's how entrepreneurs are these days. You know, the, the brainstorming is WhatsApp. It's so dynamic. It's so fluid. And it, re it reflects the world. It reflects the problem you're trying to solve in 2021 that we have to, uh, we don't have this one place for our finances. I'll ask about fintech in the future, uh, or fintech in a second, but just in, in general, technically, um, which of you, what roles do you play here? And technically, uh, that all sounds great, but to get real-time data of investments, you must have access to people's bank accounts and, and different types of platforms. How does that work? Okay, so in terms of how we split, I think we both are comfortable with general business, um, but I'm a bit of a geek, so I look after the technology um, and he does pretty much everything else. Um, and yeah, the the Technical infrastructure is actually pretty complex because we need to we need to allow that. We allow our users to enter all the information manually, but if they want to connect their bank accounts, their investment platforms, their crypto exchanges, their crypto wallets, there's a lot of a lot of work in the background, and that's where we spend uh, most of the time uh, developing. So we have a number of partners that connects us to. Uh, investment platforms, a number of partners that connects us to crypto exchanges, um, and the idea is to uh, to allow the user to bring all the information as frictionless as possible, mm. uh, and it's definitely not easy. So we spend a lot of a lot of time mm. working on that. I would say it's frictionless as well as with as little manual input as possible. Mm. Obviously, if you uh, clearly to put together a spreadsheet, which is what we aim at not using anymore. Um, to put together a spreadsheet takes a lot of time to start with. It's uh, tedious and time consuming to update it, but also to put it in place. So by connecting uh, your accounts or creating a virtual portfolio, which you can do on Xerio, uh, we try to minimize the effort that goes into it. Mm. Obviously, once you've put everything in there, the effort is reduced massively by having automatic updates. Mm. Um, but we're trying to do that also on the uh, input stage. Mm. So calculating net worth and growing network and making strategic decisions on personal investments, uh, I can understand how this, the anecdote that you explained of uh, that people not having a solution for it, I can see how it works. However, how do you know it's enough? Are you getting questions around, well, what if I wanted to trade or what if I wanted to do this or what if I wanted to do that? Have, have you got enough feedback at this stage to know that it's enough for people? We, we do get a lot of feedback, uh, those questions come up, uh, it's just a bit early for us, 
at the moment we are still uh, making sure that what we've described yeah. works perfectly and we still have a few things that we need to improve in the UX and, ma and make it easier and nicer. Because I said it's way more complex than what we thought it would be. Uh, in the future, we, there are a number of paths we might, we might follow. Okay. One of them is allow people to trade or to move money across investments. Uh, but it's just too early for us. Yeah. And what, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. And how did you, so we mentioned in the intro that it was a pandemic sort of, uh, it came about then. Was that uh, just by coincidence? Had you been thinking about it before? Or were there circumstances that led to say this is the time to set this business up? It was probably, probably a coincidence because I've been, I have been thinking this for a while. Um, and it just happened in one of the slow days of being quarantined and talking to people on Zoom and saying, what are you doing? What are you Working doing? from home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then that's that's how it came up. So it's, it's a bit of a coincidence. I don't think this would have been possible five years ago because all those connections weren't, weren't mature enough. Even nowadays, uh, not everything works uh, the first time. Okay. So it's probably not the, the right time. In fact, we see it in the market. There are a few uh, competitors uh, that have just launched literally as we did a year ago. Okay, interesting. And also Dubai, uh, Piero and David, were you both working here or did you choose to set the business up here? We've been here for quite some time. Um, so we, um, you know, our paths crossed again in Dubai after we met all these many years ago, a business school, as David mentioned. So we happen to be, we happen to be here and uh, um, it's, it's a place that offers um, a lot of advantages. And um, so, yeah, it wasn't a strategic decision to move to Dubai. We were here already. Mm, okay. but, but this is a particular expat uh, pain point because every expat is going to have a bank account here, a bank account at home, an investment in a different country, three different currencies. So it is, it is a problem that everybody has, uh, but it is a problem that for experts, it's mm. exponentially more complicated. Definitely. And also, you know, people's perception of this region in terms of wealth is uh, with family businesses, with uh, people from the country. But there, there are recent reports that's saying uh, that there's a lot of uh, individuals now living in Dubai, both sort of new residents who've come in um, and that's sort of who have a net worth of, you know, sort of five million dollars or, or sort of thing. And it's becoming that type of a city that seems like the perfect type of clientele for you. That's sort of, you know, uh, male or female, you know, between 25 and, and 45 or 50. That type. Is that your customer profile? Uh, yes, we don't. Obviously, the you know, how wealthy do you need to be for it to make sense to track your wealth? Okay. Uh, it's it's a difficult number to to identify because it's not really. I mean, if you've got five million dollars in one property, you probably don't need a tool to track it. Hmm. If you've got four hundred thousand across fifteen different cryptocurrencies and three ETFs, two stocks, it's it's a different scenario. So it's really the complexity of a tracking exercise, um, which justifies switching from a manual uh, Excel based uh, tool. To an app, so it's not really something. It's, it's certainly not for uh, high net worth or ultra high net worth. It's really for anyone who's got the need to track their wealth. However, you know that the absolute number doesn't really matter. Yeah, David mentioned uh, the expert angle, and uh, this kind of goes back to the whole currency topic I touched upon earlier. Um, obviously, you can be I don't know French based in France, and all your wealth is in euro. A wealth tracking um, tool is going to be beneficial to you, but most likely you don't have the need for all these currencies 
um, analysis tool. And um, experts, conversely, having been nomads and moved around different places, Dubai being one of them, being an expert center, uh, tend to have this exposure to multiple currencies. So this is something that we tackled very early on. So um, main target being experts originally uh, with a complexity in the wealth structure that requires tracking rather than a minimum absolute number. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I was just trying to build a profile of potentially that this city is a good place with different types, but actually actually, that's a good point as well. It's not just for saving. Um, can you explain as well around the trends of diversified uh, portfolios? Like obviously that's a phrase and people are always advised to have diversified portfolios, portfolios but with the uh, onslaught of, of crypto and different type of investment vehicles uh, and um, yeah, different types of things that you can invest in. Um, is this a trend that you kind of saw coming and it's getting more and more complex? Is, is that how you've seen it? Uh, absolutely. The, the complexity is increasing. Even when people talk about a diversified portfolio, 10 years ago you could have a diversified portfolio in one platform. You could yeah. have your broker with some stocks and bonds and maybe a house, you're done. Uh, but now the, the rise of the uh, self-directed investor uh, is right there. All the Robin Hoods and uh, GameStops and crypto and of course real estate and watches and wine and this is the complexity has increased so much real art uh, digital art yeah, NFTs, <laughs> yeah. uh, whatever if you if you, you want to invest in something there's somebody willing to sell you something yeah um so it's and it doesn't seem like it's going to get um any simpler, any simpler. no so so absolutely <laughs> Without think, exterior, think this yeah. is yeah we're trying to, to help you with yeah, there is a, there is a clear trend for for more complexity. Yeah, and and as we were chatting before offline, most platforms they just want to have all your money. All the investment platforms want to have all your money, so they want you to uh, take all your diversified and say, just put money in mine. Mm. And we don't care. Just whatever you have, we'll help you track it. Mm. Can, is there a comparison with another industry that you've seen this type of data that's useful in in sports or in business it's an interesting question i don't think i ever thought about it so it's definitely a unique uh, solution that you've come up with um okay so basically uh how did you so did you need to raise funds where did you build the app and what stage are you at uh so we haven't raised funds i mean we're a very early stage so this is funded entirely by david and myself we've been extremely cost conscious um and we haven't really spent a huge amount of money so far uh, we will need to raise money at some point, uh, but no, at the moment it's just us. And where did you, which free zone, where did you set the business up? Uh, well, we haven't that, we haven't set that up yet. Okay. Again, we put the limited resources we we have entirely in development. Well, up until now, almost exclusively in development. So corporate, well, we didn't need visas because we were already um, sorted from that point of view. Yeah. Um, so identifying a corporate. Uh, identified a f specific free zone, uh, spending money to create a company, um, you know, the legals that go with it. Everything was going to to require time and money that was better spent elsewhere. On the product, yeah. Now, of course, the moment in which we've got external investors that doesn't quite fly. David and I go way back. We trust each other. We have a phantom shares uh, agreement. It's all fine. Um, Explain what a phantom shares agreement well, is. Well, it's essentially it's an agreement phrase. where we say, okay, let's pretend there are shares. Okay. This is how many you have and this is how many I have. Yeah. They're phantom shares because there's no company, so there's no shares. Yeah. Um, but obviously, so it's not a matter of 
uh, whether we're going to incorporate. It's uh, you know when we're going to incorporate. Okay. Up until now, there was no need. Yeah. Up until the moment in which we fundraise. Yeah. Interesting. And, and speaking about the product, did you develop it here? Did you use freelancers? Did you work in the, in in Spain or Italy? Did We've been super lucky. So we started working with some people I knew in India yeah. that worked uh, with before and then you finance. So now we have six people in India. Yeah. Then we got super lucky. We found a random pe- person in Vietnam. Um, we found him randomly. It's not random. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not random. We found, him, I, we found him randomly and we love his work. So please join us. Then he, he brought someone else. And then again, from another... A random chat we found someone in Miami and that's how we recruit because we, we just don't have the, the power to go and say uh, come yeah. and apply um, so just by chance we have an amazing team uh, fully distributed yeah. offices everybody works from uh, whatever they want um, and so far so good but yes at some point we need to we need to grow up incorporate get an office bring them here Okay. And move to the next level. Amazing. Again, it's another example of how business is done these days and startups is done with, with finding people like that, obviously using the internet and, and platforms like that. So the people that you work with uh, are product people, they're developers, they're coders, they're UX, UI people and things like that. Exactly. All right. of that. Okay. Yeah. Six, five, six backend developers because I thought yeah. it's, really, it's really heavy in infrastructure three front-end developers, one UX designer that has changed our life recently. Um, <laughs> Amazing. All that. Yeah. Okay. And so what's the, what, where are we now? You've got a nice website. Uh, can you trans, if I set up now, will you take fees from me? Can I pay you money? Or sure. is uh, it working? But if you want to. But <laughs> no. So our, we started and we still are as a 100% free app. So, you, okay. Uh, you know, unlike some competitors that have launched around about our time, we decided that until you know we we do exactly what yeah. we say we want to do, um, and certainly until you know we have reached a stage of development we're satisfied with. I mean, there's lots of ifs and whens, but uh, until that moment, it's for free, and uh, the app will forever be free for first early adopters. Hmm. So, uh, no matter how complicated it gets, no matter you know how we're going to you know monetize the app. Those that joined at the beginning will be forever have it for free. Mm. Uh, so there's multiple ways to monetize this. Um, we every now and again sit down and think about which one and what, what combination of venues could be uh, meaningful. But it's it's not in the cards just yet. Okay. So yes, you can sign up and uh, start tracking entirely for free. So if I download the Xero app on iOS, yes. I'll I'll be able to manually input some data, eventually connect with the different platforms. And then every time I want to check something on FTX or on Zaxo or on HSBC or on different areas plus personal investments, I will see it on a nice interface. Yes. Now, the, okay. on the development front, the, the ultimate obviously is so that any user that downloads the app and creates an account can find their uh, exchange, their broker, their bank, wherever they are worldwide. Now, we're not quite there yet, uh, and nor is anyone else, to be honest. So you're not 100% guaranteed that you know, your bank with the, or your broker, wherever that may be, is today an available connection. Um, that's where we are, what we're aiming for. Until then, we have a solution, but not just until then. In parallel, we have a solution uh, to allow you to track what, whatever it is that you hold with that broker. 
uh, with automatic price updates. So it, it's not a connection to that particular portfolio you hold with that broker, but it's a portfolio that you have created on Exerio with the components. Um, and ah, the, the valuation gets updated You're anyway. You're putting public data from markets. Exactly right. Okay. Well, and, and to be clear, right now, yes, you can open an account, you can put any stocks, you can put any crypto, all that will get updated automatically. And if you want to connect your financial institution, we already connect to 10,000 institutions, mm. the biggest brokers in the world. Uh, and then you mentioned FTX, crypto was working, and then, as happens in this world, Coinbase bought our, our vendor and they stopped the service. <laughs> so we're now working on a replacement. So, so we'll, we'll, yeah, that should come next month again. Yeah. So yeah, next month you'll be able to do all the biggest brokers and all the exchanges. Okay, amazing. So can we just talk about fintech as a space? Do you consider yourself a fintech company? And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> firstly, I'll ask yeah. Well. I suppose like, we are. I suppose we are. I mean, we, we try not to get too lost in uh, in fashions and ways and, and fintech and try not to criticize or compete legacy versus no legacy. We, okay. have, a, we have a mission that is to help people um, reach financial freedom, plan for their retirement, track their investments. Mm. That's what we do. Um, yeah, from a category perspective, yes. And now that we are starting talking to, to investors, yeah, and if fintech investors are probably our sweet spot. Mm. Okay, uh, when you say, I like that mission, when, when you say reach financial freedom, uh, often we would hear that mission from people who are educating people about money and providing investment advice. Is that something that you would do? Is that something that we want to contribute to in the future? How? Um, what, will we move into that space? Will we partner with someone? Will we sell investment advice? Will we distribute investment opportunities? There are, there are many things that we want this business to go in the future. Mm. At the moment, we're starting, we're starting with just the core uh, thing, which is the app. Mm. The first step before whether or not we're going to, uh, as David said, directly or with someone else, offer financial advice or asset management services, this remains to be seen. But the very first step in our mind is for you to get to that ultimate uh, objective is, do you know what you have? Uh, well, most likely, yes. Do you actually know, I mean, do you need, how many documents you need to pull out of whatever folder to find out exactly what it is that you have? So first of all, it's aggregation. Uh, do you understand what you have? Uh, as in, is that making money? Is that making money more than that one? What's, how do you compare the performances? Okay. Uh, I have a property in this country and I've got a portfolio somewhere else. Which one is performing better? Mm. Uh, I would bet that most people wouldn't be able to answer that question, even with an Excel sheet. So first is put, you know, aggregating your investments. And secondly is have those investments speak to you mm. uh, in very simple terms, with very simple um, metrics. So not, you know, giving you an enormous amount of data that is hard to decipher. But okay, so what is that performance? Is that good or not compared to what? Mm. So that's the first stage is knowledge, understanding what you have and how it's going. Mm. Uh, then if you don't know what you have or how it's working, you, you're not anywhere near uh, you know, uh, financial independence or early retirement. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah, again, and the learning side is one way for financial freedom, but obviously being empowered to uh, make decisions and to have access to data, make, make uh, intuitive decisions yourself and controlling your own wealth rather than trusting someone who's got targets to sell you something that you can then reallocate your funds to better performing assets and 
we we because we've been in finance all this time and and we've been we've been in personal finance and investment all this time we get questions from friends every week where do what do i do with my money what do i do with my money and mm. the answer is always i cannot tell you what you do with your money because unless we start talking about your full wealth what it is what you need so that's the only way of mm. giving you an answer even though I still cannot give you an answer because that's a regulated activity. I'm not, I'm not allowed to do it, but I can describe and educate on, on how I would go about it. Everything starts from your, your total wealth and your plan and your needs. Mm. Impossible to do it otherwise. If somebody uh, gives you an answer to where do I put my money, that person is selling you uh, an okay. investment product. He's not giving okay. you financial advice. Now, we try to, uh, more and more regularly now, to provide um, through our blog, uh, to kind of educate, so not sell anything, we're not selling anything, but, you know, to understand what's out there, to kind of give the tools to people that, you know, don't have a financial background or, or, or are confused about all the options that are out there at the moment, um, to offer personal finance, a source of personal finance information. Um, so what is an ETF? Uh, why should I invest in this? In, in not in the stock because that mm. would be advice you know financial advice would be why should I consider this asset class as a possible source of diversification what's the value of diversification should I should I not currencies should I jump in a particular currency why what should I think about if mm. I do it so that's the level of education which is not advice it's more kind of bringing everybody up to speed so mm. to speak. and now we'll take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsor if you're like me and you're always in a rush in the morning and evening, but you really know you should spend more time on hygiene and grooming, then when the product comes along that just works and it's got everything, uh, you really find use of it. And I, I was like that for the last week when I've been testing out Manscaped. They've got a trimmer, which is a lawnmower 4, and loads of different gadgets really and different products such as deodorant. Uh, I suggest if you want to try it out, we've got a code, it's 20% off. They, for, you just use Dubai Works code on the Manscaped website. They asked me to spell Dubai Works. I think you'll manage that uh, and let us know how you get on. And now we're back. Interesting. Yeah, and, and because a lot of narrative around financial advice uh, has been around for a while and doesn't necessarily suit the world we're living in today, you know, that like comparing different asset classes was fine when there was those certain asset classes, but now when you've so many other options it's so fragmented now there needs to be constant sort of narrative and and information available yeah and on top of that there's we are in a period where interest rates are so low that so many financial institutions that charge fees that could have been justified 15 years ago 20 years ago because okay whatever my base return is five percent i give one and a half to an advisor now one and a half is a lot in absolute terms and making one and a half out of a fixed income portfolio for example is very hard without taking huge risks okay so the whole fee structure that exists in the asset management industry is is you know is debatable is discussable because it, it's it's hard to justify some fees out there okay so that's a nice segue so fair fair enough but it is hard to justify some of the old ways of the financial world, yet why are we sitting here today in 2021 with success stories in fintech, with the likes of Stripe and Payment Gateways, with the likes of Robinhood, with, with no fees, and why are all the incumbents still prevalent and why are they all still there? How come fintech hasn't disrupted anything? Because financial services is a very, very sticky business. People don't change bank accounts because it's a pain in the neck. 
and it's just really really hard uh, and it's going to take it's going to take a long time for uh, for all these new entities to disrupt everyone and i'm not even sure that they need to be disrupted it's okay to provide a better service and, and help them uh, wake up you've mentioned robin hood they came out with with no fees and then charles schwab and interactive brokers and e-trade they said well me too um, and that's it now everyone the, in new reality for the legacy and the new players is no fees yeah, so I don't, th I don't think that in financial services, because of the stickiness and the regulation, it's going to be the case where the legacy players uh, disappear tomorrow. True, I, I, and that's okay. It doesn't need to disrupt. However, uh, how come it's still a bit complicated? Why, is, why isn't it simpler? In a world of the iPhone, when other industries are a little bit simpler, ordering food is simpler, traveling and booking things is simpler, how come finance isn't simpler? Regulation. Okay. <laughs> Regulation is uh, is there, is needed. Is there for a reason? But uh, in terms of innovation, is actually helping the incumbents more mm. than it's helping the new entrants. Because if you are an incumbent and you have a compliance department with a hundred people, it's easy to follow all the rules and follow all the process. Mm. If you are a startup with three people, you just don't have the bandwidth to for all that compliance. Okay. What do you think? Uh, how can regulation help what you're doing? Well, we're lucky because our activity is not a regulated activity, so now we don't need to worry about that at the moment. Uh, having said that, there's already many initiatives uh, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi for uh, innovation licenses, innovation centers, uh, sandboxes. Uh, I've been in fintech in the region for five, six years, and it has improved a lot. So we're actually quite, quite grateful to to the different institutions of the UAE because it is improving a lot. Mm. Uh, there's still a lot of, of work to be done, but we are on the right track. Well, if you could solve one problem with regulation in, in the finance world, what's the biggest obstacle that's mm. been faced at the moment? Like, what about the, you know, obviously this kind of leads to crypto and the speed of transferring money, but the, the system of uh, you know, IBANs and moving money around the world and the time it takes and then the uh, the intermediate banks and things like that. Like, what, yeah, guess, how can that be changed? I guess the problem is KYC because you can't remove KYC. Uh, I, I get it, there's anti-money laundering issues, and, uh, but uh, KYC, it gets really complicated. We, um, we were paying this uh, Vietnamese developer, trying to pay him $100 uh, yeah, exactly, $100. And uh, there was delay by a week because uh, like, okay, paperwork required to justify a payment of $100 to Vietnam. Um, in, the, in the meantime, we have another developer in Vietnam that we pay with Bitcoin. So when we pay, it takes 10 minutes. The bank takes 10 days. And I understand the bank needs, to do, needs to do this KYC and comply. Yeah. I get it. We're not saying they don't have to. It's just, it's just what it is. With, with Bitcoin, there's just no such thing. Mm. So there must be um, some place in between where, yeah. where we can get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Well, I guess there are different ways and some people do different types of money transfers and there's different platforms that have done that. But as you said, it's still slow and it, it slows business down, right? Like it makes it frustrating. He's not being paid. It slows down productivity. Um, so is that one thing that you... But to, to that point, then they are the incumbent ones, right? And they're the ones... How are they going to uh, disrupt themselves? Well, at the moment, they don't have to. Uh, but also, I'm not sure they can, because they do have to follow those regulations. A mm. bank here needs to follow central bank regulations. And mm. they say you have to do this KYC. And when uh, they flag a transaction to Vietnam, they need to 
they need to track it. Mm. It's, a, it's a perfectly legit. Yeah, and, and it's for good reason that yeah. they need to do it, of course. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. How to say? Okay. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, let's talk a little bit about crypto and this world. Um, how do you personally view it, working in finance for so long? But hmm, if you were to explain it, think it very differently. Okay. Can if it's working in finance for so long, is your answer? <laughs> well, well, both. I mean, the traditional okay. answer. <laughs> well, I I hold. Um, how can I say it in a respectful way? Um, <laughs> I, you don't I, believe uh, in it? No, I don't believe in it very much. Uh, in cryptocurrencies. I'm not talking about blockchain. I'm talking about the Bitcoins of this world. So do I have a portfolio of cryptocurrencies? Yes. Why? FOMO. That's okay. basically what it is. And I think there's a lot honest. of people out there. And uh, I could pretend that's not the reason, but that is the reason. And right now, I'm very grateful for my fear of missing out, uh, given where, I mean, Bitcoin is and it looks like it's going back to its uh, uh, highest levels. Um, you asked me three months ago, and I was like, "Why did I do it?" Uh, I don't have this conviction into you know. I've I've got um you know an economics background. So what was what is a currency and uh, when should it be considered a currency? You know, you know the ability of uh, for a government to. Um, be paid taxes in a particular currency, the ability to control the supply, all those considerations that if you Google cryptocurrency uh, is not real, you would have a number of economies that will provide you those reasons. I kind of, I'm on that side of yes, pretty much. Um, Now, I very much respect David and his advice and his point of view on lots of things. And so I do consider possible that there may be more to it, but I don't believe it just yet. Okay, interesting. Thanks he for obviously being is going to have the opposite appeal. So no, which is the, the, which, which is good. The bull case, the bear we, case. We build, we build uh, our things through a respectful disagreement. Uh, no, for me, uh, crypto is the most interesting and important revolution in finance since the ATM. Um, I think it's uh, it's an amazing technology for for money. I think Bitcoin is already the new gold. It's better than than gold, and I don't see. I'm starting to see a role of of gold in investment portfolios when you can when you can do it with Bitcoin that is better in every respect. And then we have all the utility tokens that are creating so many uh, new things you can uh, you can do on decentralized exchanges, smart contracts, you name it. Uh, I think this is this is a real revolution. Now the beauty is we can have this disagreement, and it doesn't matter because you can track anything in Exilio. So both it doesn't mess both up your sides. business. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, whether whether I believe it's there to stay or whether prices are inflated, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, mm. we're offering a tool where you can track it. Yeah. Uh, so if you own it, you can track it. Now, yeah. You don't need to believe in it to realize that people have it and need to track it. Fair enough. So it works in your business, but personally, it's just you both know the industry quite well. It's good to hear your views. Um, David, you mentioned uh, digital gold, but the narrative continues to change around Bitcoin. The latest one is that it's real estate and we need to have real estate. Therefore, we should have Bitcoin and digital real estate. So it can constantly change. It was supposed to be it was supposed to be a, a store of value. It's supposed to be a reserve and, and it keeps changing. But that's exactly how any other currency has been uh born in the past. It starts as a fancy collectible, whether it's shells or silver or gold, then it moves into becoming a store of value. Mm. And to me, Bitcoin... It well, it's first is a means of exchange, right? 
Well, no, I think it's a means of exchange later. I think first it's a collectible, then it becomes a store of value, okay, gold. And then we start building layers to on top of gold, mm. as, as it happened, uh, where, where it becomes a medium of exchange. And then you can have a paper that says, I own gold. You do all these layers and you, and you pay with a paper. And then we decided to cut the, the link to gold, but that's a different story. So I think it's just following that path. Yeah. I, th- I, I think the narrative of the store of value is, in my mind, pretty much confirmed. And I told you, we pay, uh, we pay people uh, in Bitcoin, in Bitcoin and, it bit, works, yeah. and it works yeah. very well. So I think that's, that's the next exchange. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be, that we're going to be making payments in, in the Bitcoin network. It could be Lightning or Liquid or any of the Layer 2 solutions. That's, that's what I think uh, will happen. be the case. As in traditional finance, there are a lot of layers. Mm. You're not paying in gold, you're paying with a credit card. Um, but I think it will happen. And so, staying with you, David, you're you're positive about uh, crypto and Bitcoin. Is there any red flag? Is there something that you've seen that you go, ah, that might be a little bit speculative and a little bit uh, dodgy, and I don't really trust this space anymore? Uh, I I am half much. I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist, but I have. I think Bitcoin more is a, is a much more solid now option than all the other utility coins mm. and, and i also gamble with some utility coins um but i think that over there is is just much uh, much less clear because there are so many competitors there's ethereum mm. and there's a number of ethereum killers one could go to the moon tomorrow the other one could disappear tomorrow okay so uh, that's so sort of stuff you're not I too think sure about still, uh, a lot to be seen okay and Piero, you're a little bit negative and you mentioned uh, FOMO, but is there anything that you've seen that you go, ah, okay, um, I would, I actually do believe in this. What well, about NFTs? What about... Uh, well, I obviously see, uh, you know, whenever David makes a payment to someone in, uh, in, in crypto, I, I, you know, I can see that. I can see the, the utility of it. Um, having said that, again, I, I would debate for hours that, okay, store value, well, really, with that volatility, I'm not quite sure. Means of exchange, potentially, but ultimately, in, in, most, uh, in most countries, the first use of your money is to pay government taxes. And if a government is not receiving that currency for taxes, uh, then, then it's irrelevant. Uh, now, there's a country in South America who's just gone and the other way. way. Let's see whether that... <laughs> Uh, whether that works or not, but yeah. um, so no, I'm you know I'm, and again I'm not entirely comfortable in terms of understanding it with mm. uh, blockchain as a technology, and uh, I think ninety percent of people that say that 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 talk about blockchain don't understand blockchain, and very few admit it. I admit it. I don't fully understand it. Yeah, I can draw the di- diagram. I can, but then when it comes to applying it in the real world. I think it's it's a very different uh, situation. I believe David understands it, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll just follow and see. But at the moment, I'm not that okay. sold. Okay. So, you know, we're kind of, you know, Bitcoin's 10 or so years old, right? Or longer. And there was a big sort of ICO craze about three, four years ago. And now the next wave of that seems to be a lot of, uh, reputable names associated with funds. So there seems to be unlimited capital and liquidity for people in this space. Uh, you can see that as a negative, but could you see that as a positive? Because if in, if there's investment going into something, eventually that leads to something that works, right? 
Yeah, well, the, one of the investment thesis and the investment case for Bitcoin is, is pretty much that the, um, the asset management industry is 200, 300 trillion dollars, depends how you count it. Okay. The crypto industry is two or three trillion dollars. Okay. So if you make a small assumption, what percentage of the asset management industry is going to go into crypto? And of that, how much will go into Bitcoin versus all the other altcoins? It's hard not to be bullish about Bitcoin okay. with an asset that has a fixed supply. It's not even a supply-demand thing because we know the supply is 21 million. The demand is is a percentage of the total asset management industry going to go into that. One percent. Mm. Mm. That's already a, a bullish case. Okay, because we, it's interesting as well. Speaking of your platform and the data that you will you see and you will start to see in terms of how much of people's uh, assets are on certain asset classes and yeah actually like, we cannot give you an answer on what they do because we try to collect as little data of our users so we don't know okay you, good to you know. can you can connect with a fake email address uh, okay if it says mickey mouse uh, we don't care we don't ask for your demographics we don't ask for anything but we do talk to our users and i remember this summer i was uh, talking to users and uh, wealthy people and interestingly when people say that um people have in their portfolios one to five percent uh, in crypto, I found that it's actually a story of uh, of two worlds. Anybody wealthy over 40 has an allocation of zero. Anybody wealthy under 40 seems to have an allocation of 10 to 20. Hmm. So now what's going to happen when the wealthy uh, people retire and they start passing the money to new generations? Hmm. I think it's gonna, a lot of that is going to go into crypto. Okay, interesting. Yeah, just there's some product features you mentioned there in terms of no access to, uh, personal, I can set up with a fake email address. I'm struggling to see how you'll ever have value in, in this. Like, I don't mean you need to target me with ads, but surely one of the things that's interesting to the financial world is where uh, data on where money is put. Like that's if you're if you're across everything, then you have something they don't have. Well, well, we're not. We're never going to ask you to upload your passport copy. Uh, so I suppose I mean you know Gmail you can sign up with whatever name you want it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be you I mean so we are gonna over time we're aiming at understanding more who our users are uh, we're not gonna make answering some questions conditional to your ability to open an account so Fair all enough. you need to open an account is a name and an email address yeah and the email address is truly just to, for security reasons, so it's going to be your login and to validate the fact that it's you. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, I would like to know what's your background, how old are you, how, how old you are. I know where you're accessing it from because of your IP, uh, so I know where you're based. But I don't. There's a lot I don't know about you, and I would like to know a little bit more about you. But it doesn't have to be uh, a level of detail or something that allows me to sell any of your data because that's never going to happen. Um, it's more about uh, being able to tweak our app uh, as a, you know, on the basis of who our audience is. Mm. Obviously, we, we have a lot of assumptions who our users are or who our users will be. Uh, however much logic can go in assumptions, you always need to validate them with hard facts. Mm. We're always trying to get only the, info, the data we need. Uh, right now, we need an email address to communicate with you. Mm. That's all we need. If in the future you want to get financial recommendations, referrals, advice, well, you will need to provide me more data, otherwise I can't give you an answer. Mm. And then at that point, it will be your choice to, to tell me who you are or not. Mm. 
Okay. You know, at the moment, the most important thing for us is to come up with some, is to deliver to an ideal user a tool that is valuable for them, that offers a service that is tangible, that is easy to use, uh, and that they can, you know, get started with right away. Mm. That's the mission, obviously, the mission for this phase. Uh, and in this mission, you know, making money out of this has no part. Mm. Of course, this is not a charity. Uh, and, you know, at some point, this is going to be uh, a, a business, commercial yeah, entity. A, a commercial business. Um, at the moment, there's no point, you know, from my point of view, in, is to think how am I going to make money out of this before making sure that this is something that gives value to people. Okay. What's your product roadmap? Uh, if I download the app today versus when I, if I downloaded it in October 2022, what's, what do you think the difference will be? Uh, more connections, more connections to institutions, more connections to, to exchanges, more connections to real estate valuation platforms. So just getting more, getting less uh, manual work okay. uh, and more insights. More automated. Okay, cool. Uh, finally, we always ask on this show, uh, the Middle East is known as an emerging market. Do you think it will emerge? Uh, personally, do you, would you be bullish on this region? I've been here for a long time and I don't intend to go anywhere else. Uh, it's certainly, I mean, I can speak intelligently about Dubai because that's what I know. And I mean, it's on the forefront of every new uh, innovative venue that the world um, uh, begins. So the one thing that I always notice when I go back home, it feels like the fixed stars of Galileo. You know, I go home, it's exactly the same place it was when I was a kid. This is, this, where did you grow Milan. up? Milan. Okay, nice. And when I, you know, if I, if I, I've never been six months away from Dubai, but if I were to be away for six months, I know there would be changes. That, <laughs> not only there would be changes, visible changes. And when I speak to people that I met 10, 12 years ago in Dubai or no longer here, I was like, well, you wouldn't recognize it. Well, First, all of a sudden, overnight, there's a canal that cuts the city in two. And I didn't realize that, that Sheikh Zayed Road was ever closed. I mean, obviously, this is, uh, and I, I, it's still, you know, uh, I don't know, I still don't know how they did that. Um, so, it, obviously, it's not about the canal, but it's about being at the forefront of any, anything that happens. So, this is where things happen. Yeah. When I go back to Europe, all the things in the news and the debates are about this is my border, this is that's your border, no, but this is actually mine. And I want to be a bit different here. And you wanna and while those people are having those debates here, they're talking about blockchain and AI and drones and stuff. The world is moving, guys. Yeah. Stop drawing lines and mm. sand. Um, because somebody else is building the future. Yeah. I am super bullish uh, about Dubai and the but, UAE. But super bullish about Dubai UAE in itself uh, and, and connectivity to the world or with the region as well and the spillover because yes, there's there are in all our own countries and in Ireland the same. I would echo what your sentiment in terms of things staying the same. However, uh, the, the I put this in a different way. When we were growing up, we would have heard of the BRIC nations as emerging regions. Some of them have emerged in a way, and some haven't. Right? What? What would? What? What? You know, if this region is an emerging market, okay, the UAE can do well, like maybe say Singapore is doing well. But what would take it from sort of the UAE just doing well, and for the Middle East to be something that we see consistent GDP growth, and we see? more regional kind of a new Europe so if, I, if I had to ask for uh, a wish 
it will be exactly what you said, a new Europe. I think this region, because it's a country and its nation is, is very small in terms of population, it's just hard to move the needle. Entrepreneurs uh, struggle to, to scale B2C businesses because it's just too small. A GCC, starting with a GCC union and then a, a, a bigger union, like in Europe, with freedom of, of labor and goods and services. Maybe one currency across this region. One currency, <laughs> yeah, that's all moved to, uh, to Bitcoin. Yeah. And then we're done. Um, Piero is smiling. I think that would be, be a great uplift for, okay. for the region. Okay. Pleasure talking to you both today. Likewise. Really interesting story. And we'll follow Exerio's growth in the future. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. So yeah, I found that a really interesting chat. Uh, we've obviously, uh, you know, if you like that, if you like that fintech one, I'd suggest that you check out the Baraka uh, interview we did a while ago. And also we did one with uh, Zabuni and a few others on fintech. Uh, so you can also listen to our uh, smashy crypto show. Uh, Hala does that and it's blockchain week in Dubai at the moment. So we had a really good show this week. Uh, there's a good few episodes up on smashy.tv or on the smashy app s-m-a-s-h-i on ios and android you have a seven day free trial and you can check out any of those smashy crypto episodes uh for this podcast wherever you're listening to it please do subscribe and leave a review um let us know on any of the at smashy tv or smashy business instagram accounts uh if you'd like to be a guest if you know a founder or ceo of a dubai-based company uh that you think would be good and you'd like to hear their story let us know big thank you to ali and shahir our producers please do join us next week we are speaking to the founder of yp uh monish chandran mani uh that's thursday 11 a.m next week have a good week